Welcome to Lights at the End of the Tunnel, a place where we shine a light on, rant, complain, and try to find solutions about the MGA. After all, we are all in these tin cans together. Welcome back to Lights at the End of the Tunnel. Glad to have you back. This is episode four, recorded June 16th, 2018. First of all, I'd like to start by saying that I'm glad that my last podcast of the emotional costs of the MTA affected so many of you. I'm glad that it helped some of you. And if you know anyone who you think it would help who do deal with stress and anxiety while on the, on the trains, please forward it to them. This podcast is here to help. This is yet another exciting episode. I've reached out to several politicians during this election season, and Siraj Patel was kind enough to agree to meet with me. On this episode, I will speak with Siraj Patel, a congressional candidate for the 12th District of New York. For those who aren't familiar with his district, it includes most of Manhattan, Brooklyn, and Queens along the East River. His district includes parts of the Upper East Side, Lenox Hill, Sutton Place, Midtown, Midtown East, Lower East Side, Williamsburg, Brooklyn, Greenpoint, Brooklyn, Long Island City in Queens, Astoria in Queens, and Roosevelt Island. There are also several schools in his district, which include NYU, Baruch, Cooper Union, SBA, the New School, and Parsons are in this district. He is actually working very hard to reach out to the younger person vote at this time, which is important. It's important to become politically active at a young age and carry that through throughout the rest of your life. Also, for those of you keeping score, he could potentially represent parts of three out of the five boroughs. Siraj is from an immigrant family from India, and much like many children of immigrants, He believes in the possible and chooses not to dwell on the impossible. He was born in Mississippi, raised in Indiana, came to New York 12 years ago to attend law school at NYU. He also teaches business ethics and is an activist for immigrants and for those without a platform or voice. We sat down on Friday, June 15th. We spoke regarding some issues regarding the MTA. We also touched on what he would like to see for the future of the MTA. I hope you enjoy and learn something about his vision for not only his district, but the city. I will end with a summary and places to learn more about Siraj and places to reach out to him and myself. Please enjoy. I'm here with Siraj Patel. He is currently running for New York's 12th Congressional District. The district includes most of Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, along the East River. Thanks for being on the podcast. Uh, Thanks for having me, and hi, listeners. One thing New Yorkers can agree on is that the MTA is pretty craptastic at this time. And you have a whole page dedicated to infrastructure, including the MTA, which is great. It does need to be talked about, because if it's out there and we acknowledge it, then we can deal with that. Before we speak on your plan and ideas, I have a few questions regarding the MTA at this time that you might have ideas on. Sure. Have you read Andy Byford's plan fast forward? Yeah, I mean, I'm familiar with it, uh, but not much detail, because I don't think there is much detail uh, in the plan. That you would like to discuss right now, that you feel need to be worked on, or more elaborate details need to be brought on for Well, like I said, I don't have the familiarity with the details of Andy Byford's plan, other than the ambitious target of ten years to overhaul the system. Now, I don't think, you know, uh, we just talked about this before we started, but 
Uh, I do know that Andy Byford at least is coming in this with a fresh set of eyes. This isn't a hire within the MTA, within the year after year of the same group of people that have caused these problems. And so I'm willing to give some benefit of the doubt here at the start to see if we can get an effective um, plan in place. Now what I think is really bad about this is simply that like we have failed to dream big or think big for so long in this city that we've forgotten um, you know, what's possible that other cities cannot be so much better than us at infrastructure. Right. That, that we're talking about a 10-year plan to get us to levels that other cities achieved in 1970. Okay, and so that's what I think is crazy. What I know is it's going to take much longer. Because well, I mean, I'm took, sure. It took seven years to get CBTC on the L line. Right. Seven years and a billion dollars. So they want to put that on five lines in five years while doing everything on nights and weekends, which doesn't seem feasible to me. I mean, I have my own thoughts, which are wildly unpopular. Like what? I think we should shut down <gasps> a tunnel at a time. No, you can't do that. You have to do that, because think about it. It's a not, city that never sleeps. Well, you have other tunnels open. Also, these are tunnels 100 years old. No mm. one's bothered to look at, like, the structural problems that are involved in that. If you're just working on signals and switches, you're not dealing with the whole thing at the same time. So... You shut down a tunnel at a time. You encourage ride sharing. You offer discounts to Lyft and Uber and Via. I just think the subsidy. This we're, I know we're going to talk about the L train shutdown, but like there is no substitute for heavy rail. The yeah. amount of people you can transport, there, right? And so, as no. much as we would like to say, you know, and that's the problem with this L train shutdown. There are no good options. Yeah. You know, there's no good way to really uh, indoor. You know. Um, get enough people to, you know, I don't care how much encouragement we do on ride shares, on dedicated bus lanes and all that, the substitute for a whole tunnel shut down the heavy rail train and is just, there isn't a good one, you know. I think the one thing that the city really, really messed up on this one especially is that at least give people, if you know that there's a horrible thing coming down the pipe and you knew it for five years, then give people enough heads up and notice so they could plan their behaviors. And here we are with an impending L train shutdown and still no plan. And it's because these politicians for so many years kicked the can down the road on, on basic repairs, um, have rated the MTA's budget, and I think the governor and the mayor have not proven their, you know, the ability to really manage this thing uh, or play nice with each other. Well, that was actually one of my questions. I mean, what will you do to make sure those in Albany and the city communicate effectively to actually solve these problems instead of just saying, well, this is your issue, but that's your issue. I can only do this much, but I can do this much, but we can't come together on this. Well, I mean... I mean, I know you can't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, we, we do have a plan. Look, first off, like trying to get Bill de Blasio and Andrew Cuomo to play nice would be like winning me a Nobel Peace Prize. But... <laughs> That aside, um, we have a plan to say, look, the federal government uh, has a federal, uh, there's a federal interest in making sure that the most dynamic economic region in the country, which is this tri-state area, uh, is effectively moving. And um, for decades, New York dollars have gone on to build bridges and roads and things across the country. And for every dollar New York sends to Washington, on average, the state receives 81 cents back. By contrast, that number is like $4.00. Uh, for Florida. And so we need fierce and effective fighters for New York City in Washington. We need fighters who care about these issues. There's not a single New York City representative that sits on the Transportation, Infrastructure, and Public Housing Committee. And I think that's pathetic because what are the 
biggest issues of this district, transportation, infrastructure, and public housing. Yeah. Um, and so it shows the misplaced priorities of the New York City's congressional delegation for a long time. But I propose to bring, to, to say, look, we need a third party at the table in the MTA. We need to bring federal dollars into the MTA to support its operating budget, just the same way we support bridges and things uh, and roads elsewhere. And with that comes some federal oversight because we really desperately need to get our costs and timelines in order. New York City construction, I come from construction. New York City's construction costs in, in the private sector are in line with the rest of the country. And the speed at which we construct buildings in the city uh, are in line with the rest of the country. And yet, for whatever reason, my entire New York City life, for 12 years, Houston has been under construction. There are literally trees growing out of the dirt piles that sit on Houston. And so, um, and no one seems to have any interest in shining a light on this issue, on uh, overspending uh, and underinvestment, on uh, massively elongated timelines, and, uh, you know, the, and, so, and so we really need an audit of the MTA's construction costs and general infrastructure construction costs in New York City, we need um, more effective managers. Yes, I agree with you. The, the leadership at the MTA are a bunch of people who don't have real experience with transportation and how that works. And I think we need engineers there, and I think we need urban planners on the board to really effectively look at the situation and go, this is what we can do, and this is what we need to do. But in the interim, this is what we can do to alleviate. But it's going to be a mess for a really long time when they fix it. Yeah. And that's what this city isn't prepared for. It's 40-plus years of disinvestment, neglect, and just overall, like, I'm going to move this money over here for right now, but we'll put it back over here. And instead of fixing things, it's like second half and all that Yeah, crap. these guys really like uh, photos of themselves in front of shiny buildings and ribbon cuttings and things like that. Yeah, they really do. But look, because I know we're close to the, the time here also, because we should always talk in the art of the future and what's possible instead of being stuck and despondent in now. Right. In the next 10 years, we're going to see a revolution in self-driving cars. We have the opportunity to reimagine the way we move around this city. We have the opportunity to reimagine whether this city is pedestrian-friendly and bike-friendly. We are going to uh, recollect back parking lanes. You know, Think about it this way. Uh, every crosstown street in this city, two-thirds of it is dedicated to stationary vehicles for people who are parking. That's public space, yeah. right? Yeah. But when self-driving cars and, and just autonomous vehicles and, and that technology gets here, which is coming, right. we're going to have an amazing opportunity to remake our city, to, to build more parks and playgrounds, to have more public space, to have more crosstown flow traffic because you don't have stationary vehicles. And so... Uh, Innovation's coming. Policy innovation is desperately needed. This current city's democratic establishment or this current city's political establishment has no incentive to or desire to. But that's why we're here to crash the gate. Okay. You're to crash the gate? You're the barbarian at the gate? I'm not really much of a barbarian, but... Uh, You're storming the castle? Yeah, I'm storming something like that. Yeah, yeah, with my vicious rhetoric. Your vicious rhetoric. Yeah. So awful, you progressives, right? <laughs> uh, let's talk accessibility. Um, our disabled citizens are not being accommodated. Awful, right? I think 20% of our uh, subway stations have elevators. And Andy wants to make 70 more, which is um, great, and it, but it's also expensive and time-consuming. I think the one at 86th Street and Bay Ridge will take two years. This is the thing, though. I mean, this has to be done, first off, right? Our disabled, uh, it, it, is, it is awful in this city that there is not a policy 
to make the city more accessible for everybody. Right. Um, the disabled are the largest minority group in America, in a sense, that, as a marginalized group. And it is really impossible, if you can imagine yourself right now in this city, to travel around the subways. Nearly impossible. It is. And so I'm not going to throw up my hands and say, oh, God, it's too, uh, too expensive. Sorry, just going to you know, let this fester. The issue is just like the construction cost issue and all the things I was just saying, which is that like, it can't be that it takes two years to dig a little hole in the ground. I agree it you. cannot possibly do that. I agree with you. So when I heard that, I was just like, it's going to take two years to build an elevator at 86th Street in Bay Ridge? Yeah, right? okay. yeah. There's a real low expectations problem, but I think. It, it's like, Accessorize picks up some of the slack, but you have to call ahead like 24 hours. Yeah, it's not hours. realistic. Like, if you have a get-together and your friend goes, hey, let's go have brunch, and it's like across town and you're unable to get to the subway in your neighborhood, I mean, you have to, you know, either start off at like 3 o'clock in the morning and get there by, you know, 12. Yeah. So yeah. it's just not fair. Let's just put it this way. Like, Uber and Lyft and companies like that have proven to be a much more successful access ride, <laughs> although obviously at cost. But right. just think about it this way, like how much more innovative and transformative and quick those are and how woefully behind we are in providing for our seniors, providing for our disabled, sorry, it's not true. our seniors. But have you spoken to any disability association that received money from the state and the city to have figure out how the MTA is going to accommodate them better in the future? As despite all these seven, the 70 new stations are great. That's nice. But that still leaves more than half without, yeah. without, without elevators. No, I know. It's not acceptable. That's what I'm saying. But right. I don't believe that that plan is ambitious enough okay. in this regard. If you could think future-wise, if you obviously maybe not every place could have an elevator, but how, what percentage would you prefer to have? Uh, I don't know. That seems like a pretty arbitrary thing to put out there. Let's talk about fair fares for a second. Oh, yeah. That, uh, that's big news lately. Yep. Huge applause for the six-month experimentation of fair fares. I would like to, this not to be an experiment. I know. <laughs> we were, I know, long before all this happened, we actually posted, a, a, we published a Medium article, uh, an op-ed on, on the need for fair fares in the city. <coughs> I'm a proponent. Well, you should be. And Obviously, and you'd for be those idiot. that voted against it, should be ashamed of themselves. I agree. And let's go back to the L train. For How many people voted against it? Yeah, I mean, obviously less than half passed. So I think, like four, I think like four or five people were like, "No, we can't give people, you know, a discount who are working really hard to get someplace." Right. We can't do that. But um, let's go back to the L train, the shutdown for a second. Given that your district is affected whole, wholly. Me personally, in fact, yeah. I live off the L. So it's. I know that the dates keep changing. It's driving the city crazy because the dates keep changing when they're going to start and what the mm -hmm. situation is going to be like, how that's going to work and all the other trains have to pick up the slack from the folks coming off the L. What would you like to see happen with the L train shutdown? How would you like that to be more efficient and effective? <laughs> I am, look, I think we need, they, the city ended up purchasing 200 diesel buses, not electric buses, which is a joke. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we need, I, I, you know, the Williamsburg Bridge to have dedicated bus lanes, 14th Street should be dedicated. Um, it's going to be painful no matter what we do, you know, and... Uh, again, I try to talk about the future way more than the past, but think about it this way, that London was able to complete the Millennium Bridge in 18 months for $36 million approximately yeah. ahead of the Olympics mm -hmm. across the Thames, which is about the width of the East River. Yeah. It cannot be that much better than we are at building bridges. Well, apparently they are. Apparently they are. And if five years ago when we knew the L train was going to be shut down and people actually thought in the art of the 
possible instead of just you know uh, saying offhand that new things aren't possible in New York, then um, you know thank God the people who run the city right now weren't running the city in the twenties because it would not look like this, right? I mean, it's just pathetic. They have more foresight in, I mean, there are unfinished tunnels in Brooklyn. Exactly. There are unfinished tunnels in Queens. There are unfinished tunnels in the Bronx. And it's like, every time I think about Hudson Yards and Second Avenue Line, it's like, well, you could have just went there and got those transit deserts taken care of. No, I know. And so, and so, and... And I also want to touch on transit deserts for a second. I mean, I know in your district, there aren't, there are are plentiful options, such as city bike and trains and buses. But what about... The Bronx doesn't have city bike, and there are large pockets. For yeah, I'm, and I'm supportive of, uh, uh, you know, Staten city bike has, yeah, city bike has been um, very successful, but it is the only sort of uh, completely private bike share system in the country, and therefore it, se- it has cl- clustered around affluent neighborhoods. Yeah. But, you know, I would be a proponent of putting public dollars into expanding city bike to areas that, uh, you know, the private company would not cover on its own. Um, including the Bronx, yeah. because it's successful. Yeah. Um, and it's a relatively easy and relatively low-cost way to at least begin to afford uh, options, transit options to people. But yeah, of course, transit deserts are a big problem. You know, people have to take 30 and 40-minute uh, bus rides to get to a subway line in parts of Queens. And in uh, the Bronx. And the Bronx, yeah. And it's appalling. Again, it's like all of those unfinished tunnels under there that people don't realize that are there. And it's like, when I started doing this podcast and doing all this research, I'm like, well, okay, why not take the money for the Second Avenue line, put it over there, finish what you got, and then everybody's, everybody wins. Think of the money that could come into the city through people who are going to come into the city to work. Yeah. And Staten Island takes like an hour and a half to you know get to the city, if they're lucky, which is kind of appalling. There are borough, there's a forgotten borough, but I live in Bay Ridge, so it's right over there. But I don't go over there because Verizona costs $17 to go over. Does it? Yep. Yeah. I'm going to drive, so. Um, do you want to go back to the L train for a second? I know you have ideas on that. I mean, I, like I said, I think that four years and five years ago when we knew that this was coming, we could have dreamt big and, and given these, you know, more, uh, uh, better options. I'll actually mention then Roosevelt Island as well, which also lacks um, an overland route to, uh, uh, to Manhattan. And so, um, you know, it's, Reliant on an F train that's sixty percent on time and a tram that runs. You know, it's a tram's really cool, but um, it's fun to go on when you have moments. For yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's fast. It's actually really, really fast, but um, and effective. But like, you need more. I mean, there's so much development on Roosevelt Island. Just added Cornell Tech. Like, there's a lot of people, and and no added added um, transit options. So, uh, do you want to talk about Penn Station? And how that's sort of like the seventh circle of hell at this point? It is the seventh circle of hell. I really, really hate being down there. It's I mean, depressing. The, the fact that so many people come into... It is. So many people come into the city through there, and that's what they're greeted with. Leaks and infrastructure problems and slow trains and, you know, last summer derailments and all that stuff. And it, it literally affects the Eastern Corridor with Amtrak. Yeah. New Jersey Transit. No, of course. I mean, I, I, I anticipate taking a train to Washington, D.C., uh, back and forth every week next year, uh, and we'll be going through I'll there. I might get lucky and go to the opposite to, to the Moynihan side uh, in Amtrak, which is a joke because it's kind of open and kind of just a thing. So, anyway, okay. Penn Station, terrible, awful looking, yes. feeling crowded, cramped, LIR, all of it, um, and that's just a lack of foresight again. 
But none of this is possible. Nothing is work. You know, until we have people willing to challenge the status quo and audit costs and uh, hold each other accountable in this city, uh, in the political class, uh, we're not going to get the nice things we deserve. Yeah, that's true. This is why we don't get nice things. So what is your plan? I mean, we touch on little elements of your plan, like government oversight, federal government dollars. Yeah, I mean, it's dollars is a big plan, but then accountability is a big part of this, right? It's like, it's not merely that we bring more money, which we do, but it is that we're accountable for it and accountable for the, you know, wanting to see the investment pan out. And that means we've got to control speed and cost in this stuff. Okay, do you have any suggestions for construction or fixing of tunnels, which is important, which Andy Byford's plan doesn't talk about. He just talks about refurbishing stations, but he doesn't talk about the tunnels, which is my big thing, because it's like, 100-year-old tunnels, 100-year-old tunnels that haven't been refurbished. You, we, we all can see the water damage, people damage, vermin damage, the whole thing. So what are your feelings on that? What would you do if you had your dream budget to fix the whole thing? I mean, the dream budget would be like, fix the whole thing. Yeah. But, you know, that's not seemingly realistic. We'll have to make trade-offs and decisions. But, of course, everything needs to be fixed in this city. <laughs> I don't know what else to tell you on that. Okay. So, in our remaining moments, what, what, what is your vision? What would you like to see have happen? What do you want for the city? What do you want, not only for your district, but the city at large? I mean, if I could, like, make a dream sort of reinvention of transit in this city, I would... I would certainly say we'd build new rail lines again. We'd build lines into transit deserts. We would build a bike and pedestrian-only bridge over the East River, and we'd connect uh, Roosevelt Island uh, to Manhattan with a bike and pedestrian bridge as well. I would like to see a city less reliant on cars. I'd like to see a city with more pedestrian plazas and public spaces for people. I'd like to see more playgrounds. I'd like to see more schools. Um, you know, and, and I don't think that's all. any of that's out of reach. I don't think it's crazy. No. Um, I like to see crosstown transportation options that are like light functional. rail or functional. Right, because crosstown is awful. I mean, it takes what an hour to get crosstown. It's so bad, so bad. It's, I, I've done it a couple of times, and it's just like you—you're kind of emotionally exhausted. Yeah. Okay. Well, I thank you for your time, and I appreciate you seeing with me. I really do appreciate. Yeah. It. Thank you so thank much. You. All right. Good luck. Thank you. So what did we learn from Siraj? We learned that he agrees that there are many issues regarding the MTA, and there's not just one root cause for all the issues and problems, and obviously there is not one solution to all the, pro all the issues and problems. As others have mentioned on previous podcasts, the MTA needs to step their game up. They need to be more proactive, smarter financially, smarter with money, smarter in construction, they need to be more functional, and they need to be more accommodating to everyone in this city and do right by this city and its citizens. They need to be held accountable for not only what they do, but more importantly, what they don't do. After all, we are New York and we deserve better. Siraj is also a man of ideas, and it's important to think outside the box sometimes. He believes in what's possible and not to be beholden to the impossible and what you can't do. He has a positive vision and presents them in a positive way. He believes in a better, more functional, 
more effective, more equal, and greener New York City. He believes he can achieve this through policy and initiatives. Coming from immigrants, he has a unique perspective on the potential of what New York City can be. These are all good things. I also encourage any politician to talk with me. I may not agree with you politically, but we can still talk about the MTA. After all, the MTA does affect all of us. Color, creed, sexual orientation, or political affiliation. After all, we are really just trying to get to work. June 26, 2018 is primary election day. So get out and vote. If you have not registered, register to vote. However, you are too late to vote for June 26th election, primary election, because the registration date had passed on June 1st. But you can still register to vote for the November elections. You can pick up a registration form at any municipal office. You can pick up a registration form at Siraj's headquarters at 64 Cooper Square. You can also register online, Google Board of City Elections in the city of New York, and you can register there. You can also call 1-866-VOTE-NYC, and they will send you a registration form. You can fill it out and mail it back. As Bob Schieffer's mother used to say, go out and vote. It'll make you feel big and strong. For those youngins who don't know about Bob Schieffer, get your Google on and Google him. I used to watch him every Sunday morning on my nerd show, Face the Nation. Anyway. Regardless of your political affiliation, please go out and vote. That's it, everyone. Thank you for listening, and I hope I gave you something to think about and chew on. Remember, we are all in these tin cans together, and in order for this to work, we all have to participate, or just be supportive and be in my amen corner. Here are some spots where you can reach out, and as the Four Tops one said, reach out, and I'll be there. Thanks to Siraj Patel for taking the time to meet with me. And thank you to his staff for being helpful in coordinating this meeting. Find him at www.sarajpatel.nyc. Headquarter phone number 914-856-5527. YouTube, Siraj Patel for Congress. Twitter, at Siraj Patel NYC. Facebook, Siraj Patel for Congress. Vimeo. Siraj Patel for Congress, Instagram, Siraj Patel for Congress, and Medium, Siraj Patel. Find me, podcastsarah at gmail.com. Sarah is with an H. Twitter, at exenezoom, that's E-X-E-N-E-Z-O-O-M. Instagram, lights at the end of the tunnel, one big word. Facebook, lights at the end of the tunnel. SoundCloud, lights at the end of the tunnel. This podcast can also be found on Breaker Social Podcast, Lights at the End of the Tunnel, RadioPublic.com, Lights at the End of the Tunnel, Pocket Cast, Lights at the End of the Tunnel, still working on approval from iTunes and Spotify. Thanks to Ox on the Roof for the intro music. Follow them on Twitter at OxRoofMusic. So reach out and share. The only way for this to be successful is to work together. We need to shine a light so bright they can't ignore us. Shine brightly, everybody.